Amen. I want to bring both our hands together and give God a better cheer. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many can just lift your hand to heaven and say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're about to do in my life, in my family, in my city. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. Thank you so much for coming and everyone that's joining us online. Amen. We just hope that God blesses you through anything we say or do today. Uh, we just have that small impact where, amen, we're, that's what we're here for. But uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing over at the OC. We're going to take a break from the work days, of course, but um, just because we're going to be lining up some other projects that are coming in, kind of all coming together, really. And so, um, uh, as Brother Anthony kind of alluded to, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a youth group from Countersport come down, and they're going to really, I think it's time to just rip up the carpet in the OC, and we're going to get rid of it and, and get to the flooring. And so we're uh, getting ready to order some new carpet there and all the flooring and bathroom fixtures. So we're getting close. We're getting close, right, to that just occupying that one uh, uh, end, of course. But I think, uh, you know, I, I drive Brother Steve nuts. I kind of just come in every day with something new. Hey, let's do this. We're doing that. Let's do that. You know, but uh, he puts up with it. But and uh, so that's I, I, just me. I kind of like to do that. But Anyway, so we're excited about what the Lord's doing and also about really what the Lord's doing in our church and, and in your life. And we're seeing, whether it's online or you guys are telling us personally, just how God's moving and healing and touching and, and doing so many great things in your life. So we're excited about it, right? And uh, how many know it's good to see the church grow, right? It, and it's exciting. And, and uh, sometimes you look around and you're like, I don't see much. But how many know God's always doing something? Amen. And so God's always moving. And so we're excited about that. So. Uh, today, if you're joining us for the first time in a visitor, we do have uh, coffee in the back, but also just a table in the back that has a visitor card and somebody's back there waiting to meet you. There's also a host team that we kind of gather around, go around after church and meet people. And so we'd like to meet you and get, get to know you and you get to know us. And so that's kind of uh, what we like to do. And if you have any questions and what we believe and what we do and all the events that are going on, you can check out uh, us online and also social media. So. Uh, our guys are really good about keeping that updated and some of the churches I've been to I've, I've went to the website and it was kind of like you know flashback to the 90s and I couldn't even find you know it, it, you know anything updated but uh, we like to keep updated so amen this morning I just really am stirred and and I, I want to just share something that kind of goes along with the communion of course communion Sunday and something that I really feel is so important in Luke chapter 7 you just turn or click with me here in our Bibles, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36 and 50. Uh, it, it's really an account. The reason I put all those verses there is because it's a whole account that actually we're going to touch on uh, at one point today. Amen. But let's just read here in Luke chapter 7, then we'll pray and just get into the Word. And the Bible says in verse 36, I'm not going to read all, all those verses, but in verse 36 of chapter 7, one of the Pharisees uh, asked Jesus, and bidded him, the Bible says, and desired him to come to lunch or to dinner at his house. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar or box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with uh, her tears, with the tears, and did wipe his feet with her hair. And her hands. And the Bible says she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. In verse 39, this is key. And when the Pharisee, which uh, asked Jesus to come to dinner, saw it, he spake within himself. He said within himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know 
would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him. For she is a sinner. In verse 47, it says, Jesus said to the Pharisee, Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said unto the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Aren't you glad that, first of all, Jesus forgives sins? Amen. That's what communion is all about. But one of the things I just wanted, it was on my heart, I wanted to share today is how that forgiveness leads to compassion. When we're forgiven by the Lord and the grace and we realize the grace of God, it should motivate us to love God and to worship God and to love other people. Amen. We should be motivated by the forgiveness that Jesus has shown to us and the grace that's been extended to us. You know, and, and so the question is this morning is that, is that motivating you to love God? Is the forgiveness that Jesus has shown you, is that motivating you to worship God? Is it something that motivates you in worship and Bible reading and prayer and witnessing? Is it something that the grace of God is just compelling you to love other people? Is it, is it changed the way you've loved other people? The way that you realize that Jesus canceled your debt, it, it does, does that right there, does that just change the way your perspective of other people, the way you think of others, the way you view others, the way you, you witness and approach other people? Is that, does that have an impact on your life? And I believe that really what it needs to do is it needs to change our life, needs to change the way we worship, and it needs to change the way we treat other people. Amen? How many believe forgiveness leads to compassion? And one of those things that's incredible about this story, as you read this story, it says that there was a Pharisee that invited Jesus to have a meal with him. And while you know they were having this dinner, this woman showed up. She knew Jesus was there. She showed up. She was an uninvited guest. And the Bible says that she, you know, they didn't they didn't approve of her. They didn't like her. She showed up. She began to weep. And she, the Bible says that she immediately she began to worship, fell at the feet of Jesus, and began to weep in such a way that she just had all these tears. That I, I guess just she felt like I'm just getting my tears all over his feet. I need to wipe his feet off with my hair. That's all she had. And so the Bible says that as she did this. She, it was like this awkward moment at this party, at this dinner. Because what would happen is that at these dinners, especially for someone who was a Pharisee who was you know, considered very high up in the ladder, a Roman empire, or a Roman uh, leader, they would, they would invite people to dinner, but then they would invite the community to the dinner. Now, you weren't allowed to eat and you weren't allowed to sit at the table, but you could sit on the outside or out in the porch or somewhere and you would hear the uppity-ups and you'd talk and they'd hear about you know, how they just got the latest chariot and, and, and all this other stuff and the latest in sandal wear. And you'd catch up on that. That was kind of their gossip and their media and, and all that stuff. That's how they did it. And, they, and, and, here, and so there was a lot of people at this dinner. But Jesus was invited to sit down and have dinner, so that was very special. But if you were an uninvited guest, that was a no-no. You didn't just come in to this dinner and then approach somebody or talk to somebody or touch somebody that was at this table. They were the elite. You didn't do that. But this woman was willing to do this. And so the Bible says that as she was there and there was this awkward silence, I think, in this party, in this awkward moment for this Pharisee, Jesus said, do you see what this woman's doing? He said, I want to tell you a story. And he began to tell a story of two people that owed a great debt but were forgiven of that debt. And then he turned it around and said that this woman was like the one that had a big debt and she was forgiven and she loved much. And so you see this account and the story and Jesus brings some really incredible truths out um, that really teach us a lot of things. But one of the things I see that really our forgiveness needs to lead to compassion. Forgiveness from the Lord 
<clears throat> should lead to compassion. Amen. First thing I want to look at, you know, if you look at the story, you look at Jesus and this woman. <clears throat> now the Bible says uh, that she was a woman in the city, is what the King James says. She was a sinner, which was a sinner. Meaning that what the fact that she came, she was in the city, uh, kind of automatically gave away that she what she did in the city was sinful, and she was a sinner. She was a sinful woman, and she was known here uh, for by many people, and she was known by the Pharisees. She was known by the the, the guests there, but she was known. Uh, you know, in the city, as being a woman in the city, and and so we we take and takes you know a couple of the things that we read from the story and just say, well, she probably was a prostitute because she was a woman in the city. The Bible says she was a sinner. Simon didn't want to touch her, and and so you know you just didn't touch people that were sinful. That's the Pharisees. They didn't touch people who were sick, that diseased. They didn't touch people who were sinful. They were the elite. They were higher than that. You didn't do that. And so this was a woman in the city. And so we see that this woman, uh, really what, one of the things that's amazing, first of all, I just want to point out that Jesus was a fierce defender of women. And, and a lot of times the Pharisees, religious people, would use women, uh, like, kind of like how women back then and even today are exploited, they would use women as a tool against Jesus. And they would use things like marriage and other women. And they brought that woman that had the sin. Remember, they called her an adultery. And they said, they said we want you to judge this woman. They used women all the lot there back in the day. But Jesus was a fierce defender of women. And so Jesus wasn't afraid, first of all, that this woman was a sinner. He didn't care. He didn't care that she was a woman. And he didn't care that, he, that she touched him. Isn't that amazing? And one of the things that I, I realize about this woman is that she made a public display. She came into a, a private dinner or, or this kind of dinner. She was an uninvited guest. And you know, one of the things about this woman is that she risked shame and rejection. She was already known as a woman in the city, but now she's taking an extra step. She's going to another level and she's taking a new risk and she's saying, I'm risking shame and rejection in front of everybody, especially Jesus. But there was something I believe that she knew about Jesus. See, one of the things I, I see that her, she's, she's weeping and washing Jesus' feet and anointing his feet. You know, one of the things I have to ask is, why was she weeping so much? Why was she weeping in such a way that it doesn't say she cried or she was sorrowful. It says she was weeping. She was weeping in such a way that she had to take her hair and wipe Jesus' feet. Thinking, oh my word, I'm crying, I'm losing it here. And uh, I, 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 I'm probably embarrassing him. I've got to wipe it off. I, I can't do this. And the more she got closer, I believe that she worshipped Jesus, the more she kissed his feet. And then she said, no, I've got to anoint his feet because he's Jesus. And so there was something amazing that she did. I believe that she wept so much because she was ready to change her life. I believe she was ready to make a change. I believe she knew that Jesus would welcome her. She knew, the Bible says she heard that Jesus was at this dinner. She knew that Jesus would welcome somebody like her. When everybody else at that party would say, don't touch her, she's not invited, she knew Jesus would welcome her. Isn't that amazing? And she also felt, I believe, free to lay her sin down, to lay her burdens at the feet of Jesus, to lay her shame down, to lay her identity down of her past sins, to lay those things down at Jesus' feet. How many are thankful that Jesus welcomes the messy, the broken, the dirty, the unwelcome, the unlovely? Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I was the unwelcome guest. 
I crashed the party because I need Jesus. Amen. I didn't care what it was going to look like, what other people thought of me. I had everything, everything that I had in my life. I laid on the line. I laid it and surrendered it down because I knew he welcomed messy, broken people. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. That's me. Amen. So we're taking communion. We're worshiping. Guess what? We're a broken, messy people that Jesus loved and touched and changed. Amen. And so she knew this. The other thing about the story you've got to look at and you've got to focus is Simon the Pharisee. That was his name. The Pharisee himself. You know, Pharisees were popular, but they were not good people. <laughs> they were very popular. And Simon happened to be a very famous or popular Pharisee. One of the things about a Pharisee, if you don't really know what a Pharisee is in the Bible, maybe you've, you've been called a Pharisee, but a Pharisee by definition was, it means separated one. They were the separatists. They separated themselves. They separated themselves from the culture. They separated themselves from people. They separated themselves even from the Jewish people. They were higher or better. Uh, they were an elite religious party among the Jews. And so uh, the Pharisees were extremely, extremely accurate. And they were detail-oriented when it came to the, the law of Moses. They were just absolutely to the T. But what, there was something, uh, a problem that Jesus had with them. Is that while they were so sound in their, their, their all these uh, professions and creeds and rituals. Their system of religion was more about the outward than it was about faith in God. And, and, the, and, and one of the things I like, I'm going to quote from uh, Michael Murray's book, uh, Nobody Left Out. I recently read it and I loved it. But one of the things he said about the Pharisees is that they weren't always like that. Pharisees had a high and noble calling. It was their job to help people grow closer to God. But somewhere along the line, they started judging people rather than loving them. All their self-made laws created a, a, a chasm between them and their flock. Only they were good enough to get close to God. So we see that he was a Pharisee. And so he had this mentality. And isn't it funny how just a few weeks before that, Jesus went to a dinner at a sinner's house. And the Pharisees accused him of being a, a, a drunkard and, and all this stuff and a friend of sinners. And maybe Simon was in that crowd that, that you know, he criticized Jesus of being a friend of sinners. And then just a few weeks later, here he is at a Pharisee's house. And so this was kind of a no-no in a lot of people's mind, like to a Jew, like, Jesus, you're either a friend of sinners or you're a friend of Pharisees. Where are you at? But how many know Jesus went to Simon's house so that Simon had the opportunity to receive forgiveness? He was there for the woman. He was there because he knew Jesus knew all things. He knew that he would encounter that woman. But he also went and he took the invitation because he wanted to extend forgiveness to this Pharisee as well. How many know Jesus loves the sinners and the Pharisees? He loves the religious. He loves the dirty. He, lo he loves the broken and messed up. And you know, broken and messed up people don't always look like poor people or homeless people. They look like rich people. They look like successful people. They look like Fortune 500 people. And yet they're broken and messed up. Amen. And so Jesus went to his house, I believe, to extend forgiveness to him as well. Amen. So Simon was a Pharisee. But one of the things that <clears throat> happened here... That's a focus on this two things. Really, one of them was that the Bible says that he said within himself. He didn't even say it out loud. He thought it. He said, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know what woman it is that's touching him. How can he allow this woman in the city who's a known prostitute, who's dirty and filthy according to the Jewish laws, how can he allow her to touch him? And the Bible says that Jesus knew his thoughts. 
How many know God knows our thoughts about people? You can say you love people, but the Bible says if you really don't love them in your heart, that means you hate them. Amen. And if you don't love your brother whom you've seen, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen? But Simon makes some false assumptions here. Simon looks in his mind and he says, how can he touch her? I don't get it. He's got to be a prophet. How does he not know who she is? It's got to be revealed to him. I mean, it's obvious that she's a woman in the city and, she, and, and the perfume that, that perfume that she brought, I mean, it's well above her means. I mean, there's no way that she really kind of... Now, if she was a fancy woman, if she was a woman of, of renown, if she was a woman of a dignity, then that perfume would have made sense. But because she was a woman of what she did, that perfume was a little b- b- above her. And so you had to wonder, what in the world is going on here? And so Simon makes these false assumptions. Simon is assuming that Jesus doesn't know who this woman is. How many know Jesus knew exactly who the woman was? Simon is assuming that the woman can't get close to God, but how many know she can get close to Jesus? Simon is making this assumption. He's assuming that he's better, he's a better person than the woman. But how many know Jesus came for Simon and the woman at that dinner party? Amen. Amen. What Simon doesn't realize is that he's just as much as a sinner as this woman. He's just as broken and messed up as this woman is. And Jesus is here, amen, at this party to reveal it to him, to love on this woman and receive, you know, and and forgive her, but then also to receive him. And so we've got to look at that. But one of the things I thought about as I read this story and I read this account is the way we perceive ourselves before God determines really our love for other people. It's the way that we perceive ourselves before God is the way that we treat other people and the way our witnesses. So many times when it comes to evangelism, we're worried about, well, I don't know, I'm not a good speaker, I get nervous, I don't know what to say, uh, I don't have all the scriptures, and yet that's our focus, and our focus should be how much Jesus forgave us. How much he loves that person. That should be our emphasis. That should be our focus. Can somebody say amen? It's not how many scriptures you know. God wants to know, do you love that person? Do you have compassion for that person? Do you realize that you're the same person that's standing in front of you? As you watch the television, you're watching all these people and, and, and they look different and they've got all these different things and they're perverted and, 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 it, and they're just messed up. You know, you go through the, go and you say, well, they're not good enough, but I am. Uh, they don't deserve forgiveness, but I do. We don't see ourselves the way Jesus saw us. We see others, well, they don't deserve it, but I did. I needed a little grace, but there's not enough grace for them. And so that's just the way it is, and it's human nature to do that. But, you know, when you begin to realize the forgiveness that God had for you, when you begin to realize what you looked like before Jesus found you, and you weren't even cleaned up, you weren't even, but Jesus received you right where you were, just like you are. Come on, somebody, amen. You'll begin to think about other people different. Your worship will become different. And this is what Jesus is bringing out. And he begins to tell a story. Because he knows Simon's struggling. And Simon's struggling big time. He says, look, i got to tell you a story. So he begins to tell a story. And he does it. Now, this is a story that Jesus, I believe, made up on the spot. Do you realize that? Because he wanted to tell a story about Simon when Simon didn't even know he was talking about him. And he wanted to reveal a truth about the woman who Simon didn't even realize 
He was talking about the woman. So he said, there's two people and they had a debt. One had a little debt. One had a large debt. And the Bible says, and, and so the story goes on, that the collector came to get that debt, but they couldn't pay the debt. Both of them just could not pay that debt. Even the one that didn't have a big debt, the small debt, could not pay that debt. And so what did the creditor do? The Bible says, Jesus tells the story, he forgave them all their debts. Then he asked Simon the question, who do you suppose, how many know this is a made up story because no creditor will just cancel debts like that. <laughs> no bank just cancels your debt. And so, uh, out of the blue. So, come on. And so Jesus does it to reveal his heart. And so he says, which one of these two people do you think is more grateful, loves more? And he said, well, obviously, Jesus, the one that had the bigger debt. And he said, do you see this woman here? Ever since I came into your house, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. She washed my feet with her tears. And Simon, you didn't wash my feet. Now, it was custom to do that. It was normal to do that. It was like having a doorbell, a door knocker, or, or a, a, a mailbox, or, or a mail slot. Everybody just did it. That's what you did. For some people, it was as necessary as having a toilet or a sink in your house. You had a pail of water there because the roads were dusty. It was dirty. You had sandals. Come on, Nike wasn't there yet. So you had sandals, you had, and people's feet were stinky and dirty. Amen? How many know there was donkeys that went on that road too? Amen. And so your sandals needed to be washed. Your feet needed to be washed. Jesus said, you didn't even do, didn't even give me the common courtesy of a person. But this woman, she began to wash my feet with her tears. And the Bible says, he tells a story. And Jesus relates sin to a debt that cannot be repaid. How many, how many have ever noticed that sin's like that? Sin will always take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. And it's a debt. And Jesus related this and he said, this debt is like sin. And we see that he teaches us later, her sins that are many, he forgives them because she had a large debt. And so we look at it this way. We say, well, if I was saved at six, I really wasn't that bad. I didn't have that much for God to forgive. But if you were saved at 60 and, you know, well, you spent your life, you know, in pride and lust and gambling and uh, let, let's name all these sins that you did. And, uh, you, you, you know, you had a couple divorces. You did this. You were in jail. You, 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 you had drugs. And, boy, you had a lot of sin. You need a lot of forgiveness. How many know the 6-year-old and the 60-year-old takes the same forgiveness from Jesus Christ, amen, to wash their sin away, amen? And so he's telling this story and he says this dead and he says, but to whoever loves little, the little is forgiven, loves little. So we, we see this that he said that her sins are many. There's been a lot and she's been forgiven of those things. She's, been, she's done a lot of things, but notice, I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, the Bible says that she is a sinner. She is a sinner. How many know you can't separate the act from the actor? That's who she is. That's what she does. She, she, she sins. She's a sinner. That's made clear. I mean, the Bible, Jesus even said her sins are many. She's got a lot of sins. But Jesus rehearses all the ways that she loved him, not all the ways that she sinned against him. Jesus didn't go through the list of sins. He went through what he turned to and emphasized was not the list of sins. He emphasized the debt. That's what he emphasized. It wasn't necessarily the amount that the two guys in the story that he told about. It wasn't the $50 as opposed to $500 or $500 as opposed to $5,000. It wasn't the amount. It was the fact that they both had a debt. And the debt was canceled by both of them. That's the whole emphasis of it. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
And he said this, he said that even though her sins were many, they are forgiven and so she loves much. Now, let me ask you this. Does God just forgive a little sin at a time? Does God forgive you more sin than he does me? Absolutely not. How many know when Jesus died on the cross, he paid it all? It was finished, complete. It didn't be a half a work. Come back tomorrow, you'll get the rest of your sins forgiven. Next month, if you do this, then maybe we'll get a little bit more of your sins forgiven. No. How many are thankful that God forgives all of your sin and iniquities? Amen. The Bible says we confess our sins and our faults and our sins that He is faithful and just to forgive us of what? All of our sins. Not half of our sins, not part of our sins, all of our sins. So why would Jesus say that whoever has a little bit forgiven loves little, whoever has a lot forgiven will love much? And here's the point. The woman wasn't more of a sinner than Simon. She was just more aware of her need. There was a more of a revelation and a realization of the debt that she owed. But how many know both of them owed a debt? But she realized that she owed a bigger debt and so she loved more. You see, forgiveness should lead to worship. Forgiveness should lead to compassion. That's where it goes. When you realize that you were forgiven of sin, it makes you want to just sit at His feet. Amen. You don't need to ask for a blessing. You just want His presence. You don't need to come with your hands out. You just come with your hands up because you realize there, but for the grace of God, there go I. If it wasn't for God on my side, if it wasn't for God saving me, if it wasn't for the blood, I don't care if you're saved at six years old. If you have a realization of the debt that you were forgiven of, you will love much. Simon is that Pharisee who didn't think he was that bad. I only need a little forgiveness. So he loved a little bit. Amen? Is that right? And so Jesus realizes this. And so, you know, one of the things that we understand is that Jesus doesn't forgive a little. He forgives completely and entirely. It's really on our focus and our view of our debt to the Lord. Amen? And so I believe that because she was aware of her need, it allowed her experience Jesus' grace in a more significant way. And so I don't know about you, but I feel like you know, I realize some things about the story and I see it in my own life and I feel like the story illustrates a few things. It illustrates the way that you experience forgiveness. If you feel like, well, I grew up in church, I just kind of did it and that's what everybody told me to do or I wasn't that bad of a person, I wasn't like a serial killer, I wasn't like, you know, I just, you know, I don't care if you stole a stick of gum or you were a serial killer, sin is sin. And sin needs to be forgiven. And how many know this? That forgiveness is powerful whether you stole a stick of gum or you were a serial killer. Amen. The blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all unrighteousness and sin. Amen. And so I realize that the story also illustrates that how you view yourself before God. Do you view yourself as you're a good person? That you're a good, you, you mean, you, you're a good sinner? You don't even do that bad. I mean, not like that person over there. I mean, I, in fact, I, I pray more. I go to church more. I, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm better than that person. Come on, this story illustrates how we view ourselves before God and how God viewed us before we were saved. The Bible says that we were separated. He couldn't get to us. He couldn't touch us because we were, come on, we were stained with sin. But only because of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
only because of the blood. Amen. Can we have fellowship with Him? Can He welcome us back? Can we say we're holy, we're righteous? Amen. It's not our righteousness. It's not our holiness. We didn't clean ourselves up. Come on. We didn't give ourselves a better life. Jesus Christ, amen, received that which was dirty, that which was messed up, that which was broken, amen, and restored us. Amen to, to God. And so I'm so, I'm so excited about that. But it also illustrates how precious is the forgiveness of God. How amazing it is. How, how it's so awesome. When you look at other people and you say to yourself, you go through and you just walk. You ever just sit on a bench and just watch people walk by? You ever do that? Maybe you go to New York City. Man, that's a show in itself right there. Right? And you're just saying, ooh, they're weird. Or wow, they're really bad. Or, you know, and then somehow we kind of justify that we just needed forgiveness, but they don't. Or, you know, we just needed the grace, or we're so blessed and they're not. We just look at the unfortunate and, and those that are low, and we just say, you know what? It's their fault. They need to get a job. They need to do that. But me, oh yeah, me, no. God's gonna, he's gotta provide for me. I'm his favorite. No. How many know God so loved the world? Amen. And you were part of the world. You were in the world. You were of the broken. You were of the hurting. You were of the messed up. You were of the diseased. You were of the sick. That's, that's your story. Come on. My story wasn't I was so good, God had to save me. My story was I was so bad, God wanted to save me. Amen. Amen. And forgiveness leads to an outpouring of love. It leads to an outpouring of worship. And this woman's public display, display of affection for Jesus and her most valuable possession poured out on Jesus' feet was because she realized her debt had been canceled. Her debt was canceled. It wasn't covered. It was canceled. That Jesus had touched her and let her touch Him. Amen? And how many are thankful today that your debt was canceled? See, forgiveness needs to lead to worship today. I want to communicate that and stress that this morning, that the grace of God should not be wasted on our lives. The grace of God needs to be valued in our lives on a daily basis in such a way that when we come in contact with somebody who doesn't know the Lord, we say, oh man, they, they need something more than I did. I was that way. I, I, and if God did it for me, He can do it for them. I mean, who am I to say that God can't or won't? Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many believe that forgiveness leads to compassion? How many want in your life the forgiveness that God showed you, the debt that you was canceled in your life to lead to action and loving others and worshiping God? And, and when you read your Bible, it's not because you have to and you're following an app and, and you want to tell people, I'm in the Word. If I don't, then they'll just look down on me. No, it's in the morning. I, I, I just remember what Jesus did for me. I remember that I'm under grace. Amen. That I, I, only by His mercy that I'm here that I want to open His Word and I, again, I want to get to know Him and I want to pour my love out with Jesus. Come on somebody amen and I don't deserve it but I'm so thankful that he did it amen let's stand on our feet today you know one of the things that we are so familiar with in this country still is the Lord's Prayer how many were on a football team or a baseball team or basketball and they did the Lord's Prayer in the locker room or something or at one point anybody does that still happen I don't know amen but I'll never forget you know hearing the testimony of Christopher Schultz even in junior high you know he would he would just lead prayer and he would a lot of times lead the Lord's prayer and the football team and and the guys after the end of the season they kind of knew it just memorized it everybody kind of did that's what we did before we went out and smashed you know together and played football and we know the Lord's prayer and we remember the Lord's prayer but you know there's something in the middle of the Lord's prayer it says this in verse 12 and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors 
And here's the reality of that prayer. If you go down and read a few other verses, you'll realize there's something serious and real about that prayer. Jesus said in verse 14, For if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. You see, we've always said that there's no sin too great that God can't forgive, but the reality is that if you do not forgive, if it doesn't, uh, it doesn't change your lifestyle, it doesn't change who you are, it doesn't change the way you behave, it doesn't change your outlook on other people, the forgiveness, you'll not find it. The Bible says that you will not find forgiveness if you won't forgive other people. That's, that's pretty real right there, isn't it? Amen. But how many know that forgiveness leads to compassion? And so, you know, today we have to think about how much we love the Lord. How much we really love God for all that He's done for us. This is be something that we don't just do at communion. And again, it, it can be with an ivory table and gold goblets and, and you know, all the, this big choir and all this stuff. And, and we can do it that way. But that's not the point of communion. The point of communion is to remember the debt that was canceled. Remember the price that was paid. I should have been crucified. I should have taken that crown of thorns. That was for me. I should have taken those 39 stripes. That was mine. That was my disobedience. That was for my, that was for my actions. Jesus suffered for me. And it's something that should motivate us to reach out to other people and don't worry about whether we can speak good enough or we, can, we look great and we have all these things together in our lives and we know all these scriptures. It's just that we know and realize the grace and mercy that's been extended in our lives. Today, amen, I wonder if you can think about and remember and just take for a moment and just think about the debt that was canceled in your life. And I'm not talking about making a list of all the sins that you did. Well, let's see, nine out of ten I broke. I broke ten commandments. No, I'm talking about that you were just away from God, separated. The Bible says that every one of us is born into sin. I don't care if you're six years old or you were 60 when you got saved. Each one of us can be so in love with Jesus, so passionate about His grace, so, so in love with God that we reach out to the people because we realize the debt that's been canceled in our life. And so today, you know, you have to ask yourself, are you like the Pharisee or are you like this woman? Are you like the Pharisee that thinks that I, I'm good? I, I'm, I, you know, I, I didn't need that much. I don't really, you know, I mean, I, you know, I really didn't need that. You know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't need that. Or are you like this woman who said, I, I bring all my brokenness, all my sin, all my shame. I just lay it right down at your feet, Jesus. I need you so much. I'm so in debt to your love. I'm so in debt. The sin has got such a hold on me that I can't even move. I, I just feel like today that we can either leave this place like we're the Pharisee or we could leave like the woman. We could look down on other people. We could say, you know what? I'm not even going to touch that person. They don't deserve it. I, I don't have time for them. That, that maybe, maybe, maybe if they get their life cleaned up, then I'll talk to them about Jesus. Or we could leave this place like the woman and say, Jesus, I come to you. And I experience your grace in a fresh way and your mercy and your forgiveness in such a way that I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to, I'm going to face rejection. I'm going to face, Lord, just embarrassment. from. I'm not going to care what other people think. I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be sold out for you, Lord. And I, I want to change my perspective of other people. 
Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to leave like this woman at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I thank you, Lord, because you canceled my debt. Can we put our hands together and say, Lord, thank you that my debt is canceled. Thank you that you forgave every single sin, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This morning, can we slip our hands up? And if you're praying for a friend, a relative, or a neighbor, amen, that don't know the Lord, let's pray for them today. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy and your grace is for them. Amen. You love them just as much as you love me. Lord, there's no separation. There's no respect of persons. You don't just put me up on this pedestal. Oh, I'm your child, and they're way down here in their dirt. No, Lord, I needed your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness, Lord, just as much as anybody on this planet. And Lord, I know that if you did it for me, you can do it for them. Lord, the way that you revealed yourself to me and showed your love to me, Lord, the way that you came to me, and Lord, while I was yet a sinner, you died for me, Lord. That's the kind of mentality I pray with today, Lord, that Lord, in their sin, in their dysfunction, in their brokenness, in their rebellion, in their ignorance, Lord, you, Lord, you're going to show yourself. Save them to the uttermost. Lord, let their testimony ring out in this community, in our family, in our neighborhood. Lord, let them be, Lord, like the John the Baptist, a, a forerunner for Jesus in this generation, a great evangelist in this day, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would turn their life around. Turn their message of their life around. Turn their life story around. Interrupt the timeline of their storyline, Lord, today. Interrupt their life, Lord, with the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I don't want to squander your grace today. I don't want to take it for granted today. But, Lord, as I took communion today, I take it with a heart of thanksgiving and gratefulness. Lord, that, Lord, what you did was overwhelming. I could never pay that debt. But, Lord, I'm so thankful you did. And now my message is to other people that you can cancel their debt as well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. If you need prayer today, we'd love to pray with you. Come down the front. People are waiting for, amen, to talk with you, pray with you, talk with you, and, and whatever. If you need information about our church, there's other people around with badges on. They'll give you some information. God bless you. Have a blessed, blessed day.